justliberty.org It's good for you and it's good for me Justliberty.org Justliberty.org Howdy folks, I'm Scott Henson, Policy Director at JustLiberty.org and creator of the blog Grits for Breakfast. And this is a special episode of Just Liberty's Reasonably Suspicious Podcast promoting criminal justice reform in the Texas Democratic Party platform. We'll be promoting this podcast throughout the convention on JustLiberty.org, so check us out anytime or stop by our booth in the exhibition hall to learn how you can help scale back and rein in Texas' largest in the nation criminal justice system. We've got a great show for you today, discussing a host of issues being considered by the platform committee, and we've even produced a fun little jingle to remind everyone to support our platform work. Why don't we give it a listen? Justice is blind, her hands are full, holding a sword and scales. She has no time for politics, that's why her foes prevail. Justice needs a platform. Justice needs a platform. Many elements of the criminal justice reform movement that's cropped up nationwide following protests in Ferguson, Missouri, found a natural home in the Democratic Party. I recently sat down with Chaz Moore of the Austin Justice Coalition, who said he sees opportunity for Democrats in the current historical moment if they embraced criminal justice reform. I think the conversation that we're having around criminal justice reform um, is very unique in this moment, right? You know, somebody like you that's been around um, CJ reform for 20, 30 years, I think even you can see the unique moment that we're in. Absolutely. Um, you know, even when you got like President Trump, sad to say, like pardoning people, right? Like, it, is this a unique time for criminal justice reform? And I think... Um, Honestly, it, people like you showing up is what's unique about it. It's been pretty amazing. But. Well, yeah, I agree. You know, uh, again, I just think it's a unique time. And I think more so for the Democratic Party, um, and the constituents that, that they say they claim, I think this is something that um, is really unique and, and important to, to that base of people that they say they represent. So, At the Texas legislature next year, Chaz and his allies will be pushing for greater transparency surrounding police use of force incidents and seeking Democratic support for the effort. Well, I think it's important because um, with everything that's going on, going on with police departments, not only in Texas, but um, across the country, right? I think it's important to have those numbers and have the data um, so that we can fix the problems with use of force, right? If we know um, use of force is something that is um, being reported properly and we and we have the numbers, then we can talk about the training needed to change it. We can talk about implementing um, de-escalation tactics and things of that nature. Because um, right now, when 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 cops use um, use force, it's not really being reported adequately. So when you know you have the protesters and the grassroots saying we have a problem with use of force, um, there's really not enough you know adequate data to back it up. So right. it's sort of a black box. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kathy Mitchell has led grassroots criminal justice reform campaigns in Texas for more than two decades, and is currently working with the Austin Justice Coalition and Just Liberty. Let's listen to her explain the details of why these changes to police use of force are needed. Talk to me about the platform plank that Just Liberty proposed on police use of force. The plank reads, The Democratic Party calls upon the Texas legislature to expand current statewide use of force reporting to include all incidents resulting in injury 
to either a civilian or an officer, require de-escalation as a matter of policy as well as training, and review state use of force statutes to ensure that lethal force cannot be abused. So why is this needed? So on the uh, reporting front, it's important to understand that Texas made some real strides in understanding how lethal force is used and how often it's used and where it's used and under what circumstances. A couple of sessions back, the legislature passed a law requiring all police departments to report all lethal force incidents to the state. That reporting requirement has allowed public interest groups and the universities to create databases where now researchers can analyze those use of force incidents. It has also led to press coverage of incidents that, frankly, had not gotten any coverage in their local community and nobody actually knew about. That was a bill by State Representative Eric Johnson in 2015, and it made Texas one of only two states in the country that tracks all shooting deaths of both um, law enforcement officers and people that are shot by law enforcement. So what we learned from that was that people are shot by law enforcement far more often than anyone realized. Um, And the next step is to start including injury. So if under the current law, if a person is um, injured by an officer, say in a takedown or... But not shot. But not shot. Uh, but there's an injury that's not related to a gunshot wound, that incident is not reported, even if the injury is quite serious. Uh, so, for example, if officers use a, um, a spike strip and somebody's car flips over and they're seriously injured, that would not be reported. So we believe that we have to continue to learn. We have to continue to understand our... Um, how lethal force occurs and how near lethal force occurs. And the way that we do that is to expand the reporting requirement. Well, you can't manage what you can't measure. If you don't know how often is something happening or how it clusters among departments or, or, or whatever the demographics are you're looking at, then you really can't even begin to understand how to reduce the number of use of force incidents. I'd like to add one more thing. The reporting requirement is f- for uh, lethal force and shootings is fairly detailed. And it has shown us that we have a real disproportionate impact problem. So we see disproportionate impact at every level of the criminal justice system. Uh, we see it in the number of people arrested for traffic and other low-level violations. We see it in the time that people spend in county jail. And we absolutely see it at incrementally greater degrees at the lethal force level. So we're talking about um, being able to examine why it is that black people are shot by police more often than other demographic groups. The resolution also would require de-escalation as a matter of policy as well as training. What's meant by de-escalation and why should that be in the platform? So there's a lot of discussion and I think general agreement that police should be trained to do something other than shoot a suspect when an incident occurs. Uh, The real important piece of this is that we need that to also be policy. De-escalation is a set of strategies 
that should be applied, and if they are not applied, officers should be held accountable for that. So if the officer's sort of go-to move is to immediately pull out their gun and then their second go-to move is to use it, they have not de-escalated that situation. And if there's a policy in place that says you shall de-escalate, then their supervisor's going to send that up to the next level. It will be investigated and the chief can do something about it. Uh, Democrats should be prepared to support some Ideas that were put forward by uh, Chairwoman Thompson last session. State Representative Sinfronia Thompson from Houston. The lethal force statute in Texas is a two-part test. Officers can use lethal force for self-defense or defense of others, which I think most people generally agree with. Officers may also use lethal force in instances where a suspect is suspected of violent of a violent crime. Where this becomes problematic is say the situation is that shots were fired. The fact that shots were fired brings police. Everybody knows that shots were fired. Nobody is exactly sure who, who fired those shots, but the person that somebody thinks fired those shots is in range. If that person is fleeing, if that person has their hands in the air, if that person is on the ground already, there's absolutely no reason for that person to get shot. But under state law, they are officers are authorized to do so. So this gets to the question of the status of a suspect. Somebody who is suspected of a crime is hasn't we haven't even lifted the first level of proof. Um, we haven't considered anything about that person and they could simply be the wrong guy. They're simply an allegation. They're simply an allegation. It hasn't been investigated at even the most preliminary level. And it's really important that our lethal force statute not authorize the killing of people who just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. In 2017, State Representative Joe Moody, an El Paso Democrat who chairs the House Criminal Jurisprudence Committee, proposed House Bill 81, a bill that would eliminate arrests for low-level pot possession, instead having police issue a civil citation punishable by a fine, not jail time. Currently, marijuana possession is a Class B misdemeanor, which is punishable by up to six months in jail and a fine of $2,000, so this would have made a big difference. During the last session, Just Liberty strongly supported the bill and created a little song to help promote it. Versions of the song ran on radio ads in targeted districts, and more than 66,000 people heard it via social media. But in case you missed it, give it a listen. Care. Just 
so many bad things out there. Let's turn to juvenile justice, where Democrats have been leading the charge to increase the age at which youth are charged as adults from 17 to 18 years old. I recently caught up with Houston Democratic State Representative Gene Wu, who explained why this change must happen. You know, let's start with a little history. Uh, back in 2012, when I got elected, uh, in the spring session of 2013, Texas was one of 12 states left that had not passed this this law. Uh, by 2015, Texas was one of nine states left that had not done it. By 2017, this last session, Texas was one of seven states. And in the middle session, New York State beat us to the punch, and we became one of six. And then another state beat us at the end of the session, then we became one of five. And just within the last uh, month or so, uh, I think Missouri right. passed theirs, um, and we became now one of four. And we're slated to be, well, pretty much dead last. And it's embarrassing because, you know, uh, I think that one of the responses that we've been given why it hasn't happened yet is that we don't know how to do it. I was like, well, the entire nation's figured out how to do this. If we can't do it, you guys need to fire everyone. Okay. Uh, we've been, we've been had a plan. We've had a plan to do this for probably half a decade now, if not more, much, actually much more than that. Um, we've been ready to do this and we should get it going. And look, the reason I'm so passionate about this issue is one is this is my job. I represent kids. I represent kids in CPS care, I represent kids who've been in trouble. And I'll tell you one thing about kids is man, they're dumb. Um, and I remember when I was a 17 year old, when I was a 16 year old, when I was a 15 year old, even hell, even as a 20 year old, you know, uh, I did a lot of things that even someone who was well-educated brought up well, brought up right, that I would go back and say, man, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. That, that was really dumb. Right. And the big thing is we're talking about 17 year olds. We're talking about 18 year olds even is that the part of the brain that connects the consequences with a part of the brain that connects to action are not physically joined. I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, uh testable, um, demonstrable, uh, fact that of medical science is that even though 17 year olds look like adults and sometimes they act like adults, their brains do not work like adults. And anyone who has had a teenager in their house can tell you this. And the one thing, whenever you ask a, a teenager, hey, why'd you do that? Why did you do that? You knew that was dumb. Why did you do it? And what's their answer? I don't know. I don't know. And really, that's an honest answer because they really don't know because they've, the part of the brain that says stop, think very carefully and work through it before you act is physically not present in a 17-year-old's brain. And we're saying that 17-year-olds, because of their lack of development, should not be tried as adults. They should be given a chance to to be treated as 17-year-olds and allowed to be made a mistake. Look, 
if you're right now in Texas, if you're 17 years old, you make, you buy a little bit of weed. You get caught with a little bit of weed. You do, you steal a little, uh, something from the store. You pick up an adult criminal case that when you get convicted on it, and you almost certainly will get convicted on it, that record will follow you for the rest of your natural life. Uh, if you get busted for a little pot, that will that will end your ability to get a license in Texas, not only to be an attorney, to be a doctor, but even to cut hair. You can't get a license to cut hair if you had a marijuana conviction. Okay, um, Half the apartments in Texas won't release to you. Most employers won't hire you. Uh, you can you are now forbidden if you have a small marijuana commission. You are forbidden from obtaining any type of federal loan, including student loans. Think about that. The ramifications of that, and you know it's it's. I, I got lots more about this. I know you want to move on, sure. but this is a real big issue. I think if you, everyone who's listening should look it up and say, this is a real big deal. We're talking about 23,000 17-year-olds in Texas get arrested every year. 99% of them will be convicted of something. Just Liberty's Sookie McMahon echoed the point that most 17-year-olds are charged with low-level offenses. A lot of those 17-year-olds are not necessarily committing violent crimes, and the probation system is um, able to take them up. They're not necessarily going to go into um, a juvenile center for being violent. They're probably going to be put into probation and um, have access to those resources and that support to get them prepared to come back home. Exactly. It's overwhelmingly 95% plus lower level offenses that 17 year olds commit. Mm -hmm. They're not committing violent crimes at the same rates as older youth, for right. sure. Justice is blind, her hands are full, holding a sword and scales. She has no time for politics, that's why her foes prevail. Ever since Sandra Bland's highly publicized arrest by a DPS trooper in Waller County in 2016 for failure to signal a lane change, an event that led to her death in the county jail after she couldn't make bail. The issue of arresting drivers for Class C misdemeanors that in theory carry no jail time has become a bipartisan point of concern. In fact, Republicans in their state party platform called for eliminating such arrests. I asked Chaz Moore from the Austin Justice Coalition why Democrats should join them. This really came out of a 2001 Supreme Court case, uh, Atwater versus the city of Laga Vista here that came out of here in Texas, where Gail Atwater was arrested because one of her kids didn't have a seatbelt on in the back seat of her car. And the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that because Texas law didn't explicitly say that the police officer couldn't arrest, that they had that authority. Um, we actually had proposed uh, uh, law changing that. The legislature passed it, and Rick Perry vetoed it in 2001. And so since then, of course, the big episode that happened uh, on this was Sandra Bland. And I mm -hmm. think everyone was made aware for the first time how you could be arrested for some low-level 
events like that and were pretty much shocked. So talk to us about how that case influenced the debate and, and, and sort of led to us having this platform plank now. Well, I think with the with the overpopulation of people in jails and prisons is um, kind of a result of people being put in jail for things that they, in, in our reality, should just get tickets for. Um, you know, I, I would go as far as to say, you know, Sandra Bland would still be alive if, if the officer would have just given her a ticket. Almost um, certainly. So, you know, I, I think the fact that people are being put in jail for jaywalking and, and low-level, nonviolent, classy misdemeanors um, is, is something that just doesn't really make sense um you know it, it doesn't make sense that people are, are wasting time away from work or family um and being put in jail for things that again they should just be able to get a ticket for and handle um, within the court system Chaz went on to talk about debtor's prison policies that increasingly make it a crime in Texas to be poor. We're putting people in jail for being poor, right? Um, so I think this is an important issue to help, again, quell the, the overpopulation of, of people in jail, right? Um, prisons and jails are already overpopulated, and here we are putting more people in jail just because they can't, like, they already can't afford, um, you know, a five dollars $600 ticket. Um, so, you know, it only makes sense to um have these things kind of you know just go on your credit like everything else right if you don't pay um a credit card bill you're not going to jail um unless it's i guess like a lot of money is like you know not uh, even then <laughs> oh well see there you go um you know so again in anything that's going to help not put um everyday um citizens in jail over like little things that can be solved uh any other kind of ways is you know it, it's it's important and it's common sense um and i think that's where we are in, in this time in our country hopefully yeah, and you know, the credit card companies, and mm -hmm. it's been demonstrated that there really are collections methods that that work. Yeah, that absolutely. Effective. You know, I remember my wife, when we got married, actually had some old credit card debt from college that she had blown off and that had, had gone bad. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens? Eventually, we want to buy a house, and mm -hmm. we have to go back and deal with all those old debts. Eventually that does come back to haunt you but it's mm -hmm. not as pressing a concern as somebody who say has you know committed a serious felony or they've committed absolutely. a robbery or, absolutely. or a sexual assault those are the people who you want to reserve jail for yeah. you don't really want to be jailing people just because they were too poor to pay and yeah. then you lose your job yeah. you can't take care of your kids or all these other things start rolling on so I think you're right that's a, that's a great suggestion at Just Liberty, we believe music is a universal language, so we created a short song to help promote solutions to debtors' prison practices in Texas and beyond. Let's give it a listen. Well, you can't get blood from a stone, they say, and that's why my traffic tickets I didn't pay. I put them away. I put them out of my mind till I saw the red and blue in my mirror behind me. I told him, sir, I'm ahead to work while he twisted my arm till the saw get hurt. He said, not today, cause you didn't pay. Gonna handcuff you and take you away. Oh, I'm jailbound, baby. Ain't got nothing left to lose. Cause I had traffic tickets, baby. Now I got those debtors' prison boots. 
Bitch wants the money, but it's already spent. If I had that much money, man, I'd pay the damn rent. My job couldn't make it to work. I left my little girl at school sitting on the curb. The rent is late, the bills are due. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Cause I'm jail bound, baby. Ain't got nothing left to me. Cause I had to travel tickets, baby. And now I got those dead as prison blues. Now I got those dead as prison blue. He got the choices, whatever he chooses. Speaking of sitting in jail because you can't pay money, one of the platform planks Just Liberty supporting would change how Texas does money bail. A federal judge in Houston recently declared the Harris County bail system unconstitutional, and most Texas counties use essentially similar systems. I asked Just Liberty's Sookie McMahon why Texas should base pretrial release decisions on an assessment of risk rather than an ability to pay. Well, it's necessary because it works. Uh, you know, places, Colorado has a risk-based assessment that judges use to determine whether or not someone has a flight risk, whether or not they will actually show up for their court date, and what their safety issues are for public safety. So that's what their focus is on, public safety and flight risk. And... Uh, it's important because you have people who are um, being held because they simply can't afford the bond, um, but they are low risk. They probably very likely will show up for their court date. They very likely will not commit a, an, another offense during that pretrial release. Um, but you have people who can afford bond who are doing very serious and heinous things, and that do continue to act out when they are on pretrial release. So the risk assessment basically allows a judge the discretion to determine whether or not someone is a high risk or a low risk and to determine if whether or not they'll be held based on that. Right. I always think of the two examples on, on that front on the high risk side. I think of Robert Durst, the millionaire out of, out of Houston who murdered his next door neighbor, cut the guy's head off pays a million dollar bond and he's out of jail that night and fled the country mm -hmm. and it took years and years to bring him to justice then you have sandra bland who is arrested on failure to signal a lane change she can't make bail and that ended tragically well right. there was really no reason for her to be detained and there was every reason for him to be detained right but because the only deciding criteria was can you afford to pay she was going to be screwed and he's going to get his way and uh, this plays out writ large in cases everywhere if you're well off it doesn't matter how dangerous you are and if you're poor it doesn't matter how low risk you are where you're the county's going to pay 50 bucks a day to house you in the county jail anyway um, even if they end up paying more than you would ever pay in a fine or right. or any sort of punishment. So right. there's no cost-benefit justification for that at all. I agree. It's kind of um, a poverty penalty. If you can't pay, you got to stay. And uh, that's a huge issue for people who, um, again, have jobs and they need and they have families and they need to get back home. If you can't pay, you got to stay. You're going Johnny Cochran on me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Bye.
Confronting and reducing mass incarceration has emerged as perhaps the most important civil rights issue in America. And in Texas, with crime at record lows, nearly all the growth in incarceration these days stems from the war on drugs. I asked Kathy Mitchell how Democrats should approach issues surrounding addiction and incarceration. Let's hear what she had to say. The war on drugs has failed. The cartels are as strong or stronger as they ever were. Meanwhile, the war itself has had untold casualties for families all across the state. We need to completely rethink what we're doing. Legalization of marijuana it would significantly reduce mass incarceration, would relieve pressure on our local jails so that we could more effectively address uh, violent crime and people who police, prosecutors, magistrates, and jailers should be focused on. Now, to be fair, in the legislature, the only outright legalization proposal that's ever come forward was actually from a Republican. On the Democrat side, the big proposal we saw in the last legislative session was reducing penalties from a Class B misdemeanor to a civil penalty that would basically be a ticket instead of being arrested. Talk to us about why that approach has been taken and 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 why Democrats should support that more moderate proposal if what we really need is legalization. The civil penalty idea corrects for a lot of the problems that are created by our current system, particularly uh, the creation of a criminal record for somebody who is essentially nonviolent, who's doing something in the privacy of their own home, uh, who poses no threat to society and simply shouldn't be taking up jail space. Uh, The civil penalty allows an officer to give them what amounts to a ticket. Uh, They pay it and it's just over. Um, This is an important step in the right direction. And you are allowed to just say that, well, Republicans control the legislature by a two to one margin. So so at the end of the day, you can only pass what can get passed to them. Regardless, on the other end of the, the drug spectrum, Texas continues to see the number of overdose deaths increase. I know in part um, uh, some Democrats blame Governor Abbott for having vetoed the Good Samaritan legislation that would let people call uh, 911 whenever someone actually is overdosing and, and needs medical attention. But it's much bigger than that. Our, our drug policy has gotten out of hand. We, the enforcement-only approach, as you said earlier, to the war on drugs has simply outright failed. So what is the right approach? What are some of the Democratic legislators looking at in terms of solving this problem? Well, the first thing we need to do is move the problem closer to home. So if a person is an addict, they have a health problem. Addicts are very likely to relapse, just the same as somebody with diabetes is very likely to have more sugar than they should. So if you have a person with a health problem, you need to treat it as such. In order to create the resources to be able to treat addiction appropriately, we have to reduce the incarceration levels because that's currently where we're spending all our money. So the very most important first step for our democratic leaders is to reduce possession of of addictive drugs to a misdemeanor and transfer resources from the state to the local level 
so that those misdemeanor defendants can have access to treatment that's currently only available for felony defendants. State Representative Gene Wu expanded on that perspective, discussing legislation to reduce drug possession penalties proposed last year by State Representative Sinfronia Thompson. Yeah. Um, Are you all right with talking about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, some uh, the thing that's been on my mind, on my mind uh, a lot the last few months is thinking about mass incarceration, thinking about the school-to-prison pipeline, thinking about the war on drugs. And some of it has to do with, you know, uh, Jeff Sessions or the U.S. Attorney General now trying to reignite the war on drugs, trying to reignite this, this sort of like this war that we've been having for the last 20, 20, almost 30 years that everyone has said, like, it's time to end this. It's time to let it go. It's time to let the, the embers just burn out and, and start afresh. And, you know, um, one of the reasons that we have such a massive population of people who are in prison and uh, who are then or and then further criminalized when you take and you think about this when you take people who are low-level drug offenders you shove them in prison with people who are just just monsters what, what are they gonna do they're gonna learn to be monsters too when they come back out they have no job prospects they can't can't work they can't live anywhere what are they gonna do they're gonna commit more crimes because they have no nothing else to do Representative Wu offered some words of caution for Democrats who want to address these issues. I, I think as Democrats, as progressives, um, we have to be very careful and not try to make this a Democrats versus Republican thing. So there's a lot of Republicans who support this. Uh, TAB, Texas Association of Businesses, is very conservative. They support a lot of the stuff. Uh, Texas a Public Policy Foundation, Tea Party Think Tank. Um, they support this. We agree, like TPPF and I agree on like nothing accept this stuff. Right. Um, and I don't, I think this is one of those things where it's not really about Democrat, Republican. This is about essentially younger people, people who haven't been in government for a long time, people who have, who look at the system and say, it's insane that it works this way. Why do we keep doing this? And say like, we, we can do better. Um, and you know, one thing, uh, one thing I really, and uh, that if you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal, be very careful about is, how do you talk about this issue? And I always tell people, look, if you are, if you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal, don't go to Republic and say, this is about social justice. Because as soon as you say those words, they just clamp down and they're, they're not interested. But you go to them and say, like, look, this is about better. This is about reducing the size of government because prison's government too. If you want to talk about um, uh, giving us more individual liberty and not having the government on our backs for something that we do, that we choose to do as an adult that harms no one else, right? And they said, like, get government off your back. Go talk to them in those terms. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, and by the way, if you are, uh, if you're, if you are uh, a fan of social justice, a fan of uh, racial equality, I really greatly encourage you to go read a book or listen to the audiobook uh, called uh, The New Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wonderful book and it's re- I mean I work in this arena and this has really opened my eyes and if you were not upset about how um, minorities and African Americans have been treated in this country before read this book and you will be enraged and this is fighting for you know for for me I value both both sides of the equation about why we're fighting for this stuff but uh, especially poignant to me is 
the injustice that's been dealt to our African-American brothers and sisters uh, over the last 50 years, and especially the last 30 years of the drug war. Um, we've devastated uh, black communities. We've destroyed lives, all in the sort of the name of quote-unquote public safety. Even though that it's been proven that the drug war has not made anyone safer, it has actually made communities more dangerous because we're taking people who had a minor drug offense and putting them back with no job skills, no ability to work, no homes, no support system, and say, you know, go for it. By the way, all the songs and instrumentals you hear on this and every reasonably suspicious podcast from Just Liberty are original music produced and performed by Austin guitarist Gabe Rhodes and an all-star crew of Texas musicians. Since Representative Wu and I were talking about mass incarceration, this is a good opportunity to introduce you to one last original tune that Just Liberty is using to brand all our efforts to promote reduced incarceration and additional prison closures in Texas. This one's a little different. It's called Stop the Train, and Malford Milligan performs the lead vocals. Gabe Rhodes and percussion guru Donnie Wynn are responsible for the music, and I wrote the lyrics. I hope you like it. The incarceration train keeps rolling, rolling down the line. It's filled with pain and sorrow. But the driver, he's doing just fine. just fine. And the passengers in cargo, when they get to the end of the line, gonna learn this train window where Lord and the ticket price show is high. Stop the train. 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 I'm getting off. By the end of the upcoming legislative session, that song is burned into everyone's memory, and you all think about closing prisons every time you hear it. We're out of time, but we'll try to do better the next time. I'm Scott Henson with JustLiberty.org. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Just Liberty's monthly Reasonably Suspicious podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If you're at the Democratic State Convention in Fort Worth, support criminal justice reform measures in the platform. And be sure to drop by to see us at our booth or visit our website to join our statewide list of criminal justice reformers. Thanks to everyone who participated in our special Texas Democratic Party Convention podcast. And until next time, keep fighting for criminal justice reform. It's the only way it's going to happen. Ready?
just needs a platform. Free da dee 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 do dee dee dum. Justice needs a platform. Justice needs a platform.